Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to talk about our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor simply is the perfect place to go if you're trying to start a podcast. First off, free, that's great, but there are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Super easy to use, super intuitive, Uh, and then once you have that edited, Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places uh, where you listen to podcasts. And when they're distributed, you can start making money from your podcast right away. No minimum listenership. Start getting that anchor money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm right now to get started. Now, the Schooner Pod. Plenty of time, a quick slant and a completion. Trouston Rambo. Rambo lunging for the goal line. Touchdown, Oklahoma. Hello and welcome to the Schooner Pod. With me today we got Ty Lee. Ty, we're back after week one. Uh, what would you think? I was happy, uh, but not too surprised. I think the the defense really fulfilled everyone's realistic expectations for it. And the offense was pretty much what I expected it to be. I know some people were a little surprised, but the offense was about what I expected it to be. And so was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I mean, it, it really was an interesting thing because I felt like all offseason we've been hyping up Hurts, been hyping up the new defense, and then it happens and everyone's kind of shocked. It looks, it was, It's kind of like the shock Pikachu meme. You know, like everyone hyping it up and then it actually turns out to be that and then everyone acts like they're stunned. I, I mean, honestly, it was, it was an impressive game. I was really excited about Hurts. But let's talk about that defense first. So... As you said, very, very good start. The first quarter, second quarter, incredible, but obviously tailed off at the end. What are your main kind of impressions from uh, that defensive performance? So first off, on the, the very first drive, that was huge to go three and out like they did. The, the stadium was just electric when they went three and out right then, and Houston just looked terrible and confused and I was very impressed with the defense Uh, I think we did intentionally relax a little bit Um, if you go back and look at the the video of the game or or a film in the first and second quarters our defense is doing a lot more prior to the snap and it's not confusion type things it's it's clear deception and, and reaction that you can see from the defense, and we kind of let off that a little bit later on in the game. Um, but I was I was very, very impressed with the way they started, and we just seemed like we knew what we were doing. That was really the biggest thing, is, yeah. is we knew what we were doing, um, and we did a, a decent job. There were a few you know big runs from King, which we kind of expected, but we did a really good job containing Houston that I think is a really good warm-up for playing the Big 12. I almost said the rest of the Big 12, but for playing the uh, the Big 12 or some of the better teams we're going to play, it's almost like a, a light version of that. So I think it was a great start to the defense. 
And I, I know I was saying this to some people earlier, you know about this, but I do believe that we let off on purpose on the defense because we didn't want to show all our tricks against a team we knew we were going to beat. There was no reason for us to continue to run really ornate defenses that we can instead keep in our back pocket, especially when we're up by three or four. Yeah, and I think that's a very good point. Just like you don't want to give away, you know, the full house on offense that goes for the defense as well, especially with schemes. Um, but I thought it was a very, very important point. Uh, something I mentioned in uh, the week before the game week article is really focusing on taking out Derek King. Really make, making him feel that pressure, feel the struggle, just coming at him. And you, you could see that within the first three drives. He wasn't able to get anything out in space. Uh, always had a guy on a spy on him. And, and honestly, like you said, I think the biggest thing defensively was just knowing that you're supposed to be on that field. Having the confidence to do the right move, make your reads, really go at it. It helped with, aggr- it helped with aggression. It helped with speed and honestly if they continue that trend uh as the season progresses and can really keep that confidence up this is going to be a pretty solid defense yeah i i thought so as well and i thought they looked very disciplined as well they were especially the ones on on qb contain and and stuff like that they were sprinting to the ball like we've been emphasizing that that get to the ball defense but not in a reckless way. They looked very disciplined and very aware of what was going on on the field um, during the play and, and prior to the play, which prior to the play we saw a lot of issues last season, as you know, with, with a lot of confusion. But they looked very disciplined, which I was very impressed with. They were making smart decisions, and it seems like the, the athletic talent that we had was being properly uh, trained and coached and prepared. They seemed very well-versed, and a lot of the tricks that Houston was going to have, which obviously we uh, don't regularly play Houston, but we have played their their head coach for the past almost decade. So, is that right? I thought this is the ninth time we played him, right? Eighth or ninth? This, yeah, I believe this was nine. Okay. Yeah. 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 So we we're very we're pretty well versed in uh in Dana who Dana actually coached Lincoln Riley for a short period uh at Texas Tech and then was a little senior to Lincoln Riley on the um coaching ladder at at Tech while Riley was playing and then also a GA. Definitely. Interesting um, fact. Yeah, it is kind of funny. Uh kind of despite the fact that he was a lot older kind of hopped on him a little bit of a mozart Sadieri sort of thing for all yeah. my amadeus heads out there yeah that whole that whole leech tech connection with a lot of people is is very very interesting to me definitely and, and it, it it showed and um you, you can tell there's a lot of respect there but a little we i don't know dana seems a little bristled by everything and Obviously, as people have noted, the student section could get under his skin. They played Country Roads after the win. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, but looking forward to it, uh, this defense isn't going to see another test until Texas. So, honestly, these next four games, they need to absolutely go out and dominate. 
Yeah, I again, I don't think it's that important. I think that maybe we can increase our margin of victory a little bit to show, you know, the rankings and and the committee when it gets down to it uh, that we are an improved defense. But I really don't want us to show all our tricks prior to uh, UT, especially. And then uh, most likely UT again in the Big 12 championship. So, and then Oklahoma State, I think, is going to give us some trouble as well because they've shown that they can put up points. But, yeah, hopefully we don't show all our tricks, but I would like for us to show enough to show the nation that we are improved. And I, at this point, honestly believe that we are based off what I saw um, last week. Definitely, and and we have improved. There is improvement there. Uh, But one thing that hasn't shown through that was a really big point for Grinch is the lack of turnovers, which is something that he he said he was, I believe the quote was, he was uh, devastated about. So that'll be something interesting going forward. Um, I love the fact that this team, you know, was happy. They were were kind of, they're hungry. This, This win didn't satisfy them. They won more. And... Uh, that goes from Grinch all the way to Jalen Hurts. Yeah, and and to loop back to the turnovers, there weren't really any interception opportunities. King, King's a good quarterback, um, and he is known to be able to run, so he's not one of the guys that's going to force a throw too much. He's a he's a pretty smart guy, so there wasn't really any op- any opportunities for interceptions, but. They did fumble it a couple times, and that's, you know, partially up to chance, really, where that ball ends up going, and then uh, who sees it and stuff. So, really, the the turnover thing could have gone either way. I can think of at least two or three times uh, that we could have had a turnover. The ball just bounced a different way, and uh, a Houston guy fell on it first. So, yeah, uh, the turnovers, we didn't, you know, we're disappointed in, in our lack of turnovers, but... We created the opportunity for turnovers, and the rest is kind of up to chance. You can't really, you know, knock the ball out in a way that it's going to bounce towards your guys. So, yeah, we didn't see them, and I think they will be crucial in in closer games. And this is a good segue, especially with how absolutely terrible our kicking is this year. Good God. It, that That is the biggest dark mark of this Houston game, without a doubt. It's not the fourth quarter. I thought we laid off the gas. It's the fact that our kicker is flat-out awful. I don't know if Jalen Hurts just brings bad kickers with him, but good (laughs) Lord, uh, Sutherland was terrible. Yeah, that that worries me, especially for the the Texas game or games, um, because that is one that's guaranteed to be in our uh, schedule that we know is going to be a little bit closer no matter what, and we may have to rely. You know, Texas won last year in the Red River uh, the Red River game with a field goal. So if we were in that situation this year, we cannot say reliably that we would be able to kick it, and it makes us easier to predict and a little more one-dimensional and it just overall makes things really difficult kickers are are very underappreciated when they're good OU has thankfully had a lot of very reliable kickers for the past 
as long as I can remember, and it's uh, it's rough when you don't have that tool in your toolkit um, reliable. Or yeah, you can't rely on that tool being in your toolkit. It's uh, it's rough. Yeah. Well, uh, definitely the kicking side of it was terrible. However, I will say, from a total special teams performance, I I don't think we were very bad. If you look at the punt returns and the kick returns, both Trey Brown and CeeDee Lamb brought back some pretty solid ones. No, our our returns were, were really good. There wasn't any real big opportunities for returns, but they were absolutely making the most out of what they had, which is really all you can ask for. Definitely, and, and Trey Brown was just very good. I know Jameson probably was happy about that one. Had a really nice 21-yard return. Um, but, yeah, no, in general, special teams, very good. Very good look at that. Um, and I think that unit is going to be pretty solid, so I'm excited to see how that develops. Got that Beamer ball going, of course. So Yeah, special shout-out to Coach Beamer out here headbutting dudes in their helmets. <laughs> that was incredible. And getting in-game stitches. That was Thankfully, OU's only injury of the game was uh, Coach Beamer uh, had butted a a uh, I think oh. part, yeah one of the one of the fullbacks uh, while he had his helmet on and Coach Beamer obviously did not have a helmet on so he uh, got a little cut had to get a little stitches during the game didn't stop him uh, I think it stopped him from headbutting people for the rest of the game, but he'll be right back at it, so no worries. For sure. And before we move on to the offense, because there's a lot to talk about with the offense, want to just touch on some of the defensive guys I really liked. Big fan of how Kenneth Murray played. Guy was as, I mean, obviously incredible player for us last year, but in this Grinch type of offense, this is his type of thing. He loves to play fast, loves to play downhill. And he was both of those things, and uh, recorded 13 total tackles, 17 or seven solo, and uh, incredible. And on the D line, uh, obviously a position we're very sorely not great at. Ronnie Perkins went off, which I've been on his. Tra- I've been on the Ronnie Perkins train since FAU, so I was really excited to see him get it done on the DL. Yeah, big big shout out to to Kenneth Murray. Um, I actually spoke with him earlier today. Oh, uh, not <laughs> I forgot to ask any questions or plug the podcast, but he uh, is very impressed with his performance. He was the main one that I've been talking about that I thought was tremendous talent that we were kind of squandering with with coaching and, and with leadership, and he has really stepped up. And he's had big games before, you know, the Army game where he put the team on his back defensively. Um, but he really stepped up, looked like a leader, knew what he was doing, and kind of exemplified the the new defense. And he's that kind of player we need. Uh, so big shout out to him. I, uh, when I see him on Tuesday, I'll plug the podcast. I, I should give you a sticker to quotes. give him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll try to I'll try to ask him some questions uh, next time I see him. I see him Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah, there so. we go. Get, get Kenneth Murray on the pod. There we go. Yeah, but he he's my defensive MVP. I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, say I'm gonna start giving out game balls on both sides of the ball for my reviews of the game. So he's gonna get my defensive game ball of last week. I I think he was the uh, the one that I was happy with and and saw what I wanted to see and uh, exemplified what our defense is hopefully going to remain the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a fan of the game ball concept, so I'm going to give my game ball to Ronnie Perkins just because 
I don't want to do the same as you did, but yeah, I guarantee no, you, and that's, Kenneth, that's Murray, a big imp- Kenneth Murray is going to get a. Uh, I mean, that guy's going to get a lot of game balls this year, and honestly, if this defense really improves, I don't want it. I don't want to like jinx him again like I did with Buki last year. But I think he can easily win Defensive Player of the Year if he keeps up this production. The guy is an animal. So yeah, well, hopefully, hopefully not. And I say that because hopefully everyone else is able to step up and not pick up the slack because they were a solid team uh, last week. But hopefully everyone else also performs. Um, And it will unfortunately diminish his stats a little bit, but I would like to see a more team performance. Definitely, definitely. And there are a lot of... You know, good other performances we can mention. Nick Benito, uh, uh, Delarian Turno, Yell, Patrick Fields, all great. But those two definitely cut above the rest. All right, let's move on to offense. We're kind of trying to go snappy here. Um, yeah. Obviously, look, let's just get right to it. Jalen Hurts had an insane debut. Um, I, could, I could read off the stats, but you probably heard him enough times this week. 332 yards on, on through the air, 176 through the, through the ground. Three touchdowns apiece. I mean, the guy was unstoppable. Um, but in general, yeah. what, what do you think of Jalen Hurts' first performance? I saw what I expected to see. Um, I I was telling you this during the game. I really wasn't too impressed by his throwing. Um, I think part of the reason why his throwing stats look so good when you only look at those was pretty much every throw that he threw was to a wide open receiver. If there wasn't someone like absolutely wide open, then he was just going to run it. Um, which I was kind of disappointed too in the amount of running that he was doing, uh, to Houston's credit. They had a really good, uh, pass coverage lined up for the first quarter, especially and going into the second quarter. Um, and we weren't really calling any, plays that involved big deep throws which are is a kind of a known weakness or has been in the past of of Jalen so I would like to see him run less and when he does run I'd like to see him run a little bit less like a running back I'd like to see more slides and uh running out of bounds and and stuff but he obviously was an excellent runner uh, throughout the game and made no bad judgment calls that I can really point to. And you really saw him assessing the defense prior to the snap, making adjustments. And he just looked very calm and poised. He absolutely knew what he was doing. You could tell that he meshed with the team. All the timing was right with all the receivers. So I was very impressed. Definitely has room to improve. Um, And I think his stats are a little boosted by the fact that pretty much every other big-name quarterback uh, did not play well this week. Yeah, it, it was a tough week for the marquee quarterbacks, but I will say this about Jalen. Um, a, a lot has been made of me and everything this offseason of how this Lincoln-Riley offense is going to change or isn't going to change. Well, I think it was going to always be as explosive as, as, explosive as ever. However, I kind of saw this coming, I think, is it would be more of a choppy game throwing the ball 
you know, try to dissect that defense, move the ball slowly, you know, instead of having the big home run ball 70-yard runs yeah. or, you know, a big Hollywood Brown, you know, home run ball, just kind of methodically going down the field. And I thought he was great at that. I def- he was. I definitely agree. He, he needs to start taking a little more risks with his throws. Um, I felt like every throw he threw was very safe, but... Yeah. That's just a guy trying... But, I mean, you can't... Yeah. You can't complain too much. And and I was glad to see um, us slowing down and, and picking apart... Granted, it was Houston, but it always worries me when our offense is entirely just big plays. Um, which, you know, sometimes you get when the offense is just that good and your play calling is just that good that you're just always mismatched and everything is a big play. But when you're relying on those sort of flea flicker type things and, and trick plays and big plays to get your scores, uh, that worries me. And that's been one of the issues uh, in the playoffs the past couple of years is we couldn't, you know, just constantly do big plays on Georgia and on Alabama. Um, so it's good to see us being able to just pick them apart It'll probably turn into, you know, 5 to 10 yards of play uh, when we start playing real people. But it was like 10 to 20 yards per play against Houston. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, a, yeah. that's a really good point about the playoffs. Because one of the things I really... We didn't get a chance to air our grievances after Alabama. Because Jameis and I were too frustrated about the loss. But if you look at those first couple drives where we got down 28 nothing, you could sense that... Honestly, it was probably Lincoln and Kyler just really wanted to go for the home run ball, really reverse the field of everything. And that's something that, you know, I, I think this OU offense, you know, can mature this year, can be a little smarter, a little more methodical. And it's something that I'm really looking forward to and I think would be very good. I think it would be good for time management as well. Um, get the defense off the field a little bit more. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's important too. Uh, in like an army type game situation where the offense needs to contribute a little bit to clock management. Definitely. Um, other parts of the game that didn't involve Jalen Hurts, believe it or not, there were other offensive players that played. The receiving core was super balanced. Not a single receiver caught more than three balls, and there were at least I, I said the stat this week. Uh, there are at least seven players that caught at least two catches. That was, that, that was incredibly spread out. Um, obviously, Charleston Rambo looked fantastic, as well as CeeDee Lamb, as usual. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hazelwood, uh, the only freshman to catch a reception. I thought he looked pretty uh, solid as well. Had that really that really nice yeah. yards after contact one. You know, so, I don't know. Yeah, he had, he had that 42-yard uh, reception. I, I, I think our, our receiving was amazing. Uh, within receiving is going to be my offensive game ball uh, to to Charleston Rambo. He only got three catches, which ties him for the most out of everyone, but he had uh, 105 yards with a touchdown along a 56, and his average was, was 35. Yeah. That's... Um, so when your long is 56 and your average is, is 35 with three receptions, he, he had some big receptions. Um I was very impressed with him. CeeDee Lamb, tremendous, as always. You can tell he's a leader out there on the field. It's just he is the big name that everyone knows and that everyone knows is a big threat. He's a big dude. He's put on weight. He is an NFL size and and skill guy, I I really think. Um, 
So everyone's going to be preparing for him, and he's going to be double covered and covered by the best defenders that every team has. So his stats are going to suffer a little bit until, you know, some other guys start getting some hype, and then maybe we'll see CD open up a little bit. But we saw what CD can do when he breaks free. He had that one big touchdown where he just absolutely burned the defense. Yeah, I mean, um, he, he's, a, he's a speedster. Um, but when you talk about sacrificing, the, there are no two players on the team I feel like who have sacrificed more than Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon. Only 16 carries combined between the both of them. That matches what Jalen Hurts put out. But when they had the ball, they were fantastic. 91 for Sermon on just 11 carries, long of 31. Brooks had four touches, which is nuts, uh, with a long of 40. Um and then we can talk Ramondre Stevenson, who had the only rushing yeah. touchdown that wasn't Hurts. But um, honestly, it, it's something that I, I would love to see a little more balance in that running end. Uh, obviously, yeah. we talked a little bit about how you don't want to kind of give away the store game one, get, don't want to give it away early. But I feel feel like finding a bit of more of a balance is going to be so key. Yeah. Because your backs are fantastic. They are. And, and not just giving away... The tricks that you have, I would love to see Jalen running less, uh, you know, because that risk of injury and everything else. But I do like that our big name backs are getting low usage early in the season, especially like this, because especially as as an OU fan, um, you get a little anxious, or or you should or, or could get a little anxious because of Rodney Anderson and, and his history at OU. I don't want to see us when we don't have to using our weapons that we have because running backs especially can just kind of burn out throughout the season. They get hit so much. They take the big hits. They're in there. They're grinding. They're working hard, putting out on every play because they're either pass blocking or they are the play out there running um, or they're out there running a route and then again taking a hit at the end. So they can burn out. So I like to see, you know, some conservative usage of them early in the season, um, which I would love to see, obviously, more conservative usage of of Hertz as well when it comes to the running. Yeah. Uh, which can be mitigated a little by, you know, sliding and, and less inside running. Definitely. I'm trying to run over linebackers, but. If you're on the first, just hand it off. And that's one of the yeah. things I, I, I'm really worried about with Hertz and something. W- that I've always com- like not complained, but had an issue with how Texas uses Ellinger as like this battering ram, and it always wears him out by the end of the year. It, and I feel like we'd do the exact same thing to Hurts if we if we did this. I am not a fan of using your quarterback that much. I, I get I get it. I get the whole Tebow like oh he's tough. You know, look at I love having my quarterback have grit. I also like having my quarterback have you know healthy usable shoulders to throw the ball. So yeah. Um, yeah, Hurts, great, great game running, but let, let's just let's just pump the brakes a little bit. I know Lincoln mentioned it in his press conference, which was very. I was very thankful to hear that he didn't have a uh, Tom Herman like uh, <laughs> philosophy on this because he was like, you know, we, we'd like to see him run less. Um, so that's great. I would love to see that. Uh, Hurts, yeah. Hurts gets my game ball though. I know it's an obvious one, but guy was fantastic. Yeah, when you set when you set records like that. Tear it up. You, you can't not. Uh, but I will also say, no complaints from the O line on my book. They looked very good. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't see anything that you know was alarming. So they did their job. 
Yeah, and, and just to answer people's question, this has been a constant um, thing for for people saying, oh, how is Hertz going to fit into Lincoln's system? How is the Hertz going to fit into the offense and stuff? And I, I think what a lot of people don't realize is that we do run an air raid, but when you look at our stats from last season, and, you know, it's hard to pull stats from just one game, but it is very balanced. We are very, very, very close to 50-50 pass run. Obviously, there's a lot of run-pass option in there. Um, but Lincoln Riley is not one of those guys, you know, partially because he's younger and just the mind that he is. He doesn't have to pull in guys that fit his system. He is just an offensive guru and a quarterback guru. And he can, you can kind of, we've seen this now three years in a row, not to jump to conclusions, but you can just throw a quarterback at him and he's going to look at the guy's strengths and weaknesses and he is able to develop a tremendous offense around that. We, we saw that with the transition from, from Bake to, to Kyler. They're very different quarterbacks. Um, and we were just as successful with both of them. And, and now the transition to Hurts, he is a different quarterback from the previous two. And we're out there being just as successful. Again, don't want to jump to conclusions. It was just Houston. But I, I don't think, and I've been telling you this, and, and I'll say it on the pod. Um, I think when you look at our big stats, when you look at rushing yards per game, passing yards per game, and points, I think it's going to be broadly similar to the past couple years. I don't think there's going to be a big difference in the points that we're putting up, the passing yards, and the rushing yards. I think when you get into the finer details, they're going to be earned differently. They're not going to be, you know, big breakaway runs like like Kyler or, uh, you know, Baker-style passes. It might be a little more gritty power runs and, and some, some shorter passes and stuff. But I think that the offense, in broad strokes, is going to be very similar uh when you just look at the end results definitely definitely um and i i think that's that's totally fine it doesn't have to be as flashy as it has been as long as you get the yards and get the results i am good with that so uh i'm pretty sure that covers about everything from houston so uh let's let's move on to the uh south dakota preview um and that's the South Dakota preview. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, you guys, this is our this is our cupcake. We started out with a neat matchup, um, but no one's really expecting a lot. I things I want to see uh, for the South Dakota game is conservative usage of our stars, conservative usage of our playbook, which you will see. We're not going to you know be breaking out any new tricks, and then everyone staying healthy. That's really the only things. Um, that I'm expecting, you know, I don't want to jinx it, knock on wood, but I, South Dakota is not going to be, and granted this year has been crazy for this, but South Dakota is not going to be a threat. And, and I want to see us get some quality reps in, uh, smooth out some things. Um, but I, I don't want to see us out there putting, you know, a whole lot of effort because there's a whole lot of risk. Yeah. And, and look, I, I know that there's some concern because they pushed Kansas state, Kansas State was awful last year. They're, they're, seriously, don't worry about this. They struggled with Montana. And I know, I, I, again, I feel like I'm jinxing this too. So please, you can keep all the receipts. I'm just saying this team is not the North Dakota State. This is not a Montana. This is not a team that goes in and beats FBS teams. Um, 
and certainly not yeah. one the, the caliber of OU and with the focus of OU and Jalen Hurts. I just I don't see us. I don't see this remotely being a game. If you buy this game on pay-per-view, I'm just saying you're kind of a chump. Just wait a couple days. Just when... <laughs> you would have said the, you would have said the same thing about Army last year. No, no, no. I I don't know if I would have said that though, because Army was Army was going to be a fun game no matter what. We talked. Jameson, Jameson and I were a little worried about it. I, I we both picked Army to cover. Um, Maybe not as worried as we should have been, but I, I will say just just don't worry with the pay per view on this one. Just watch it on YouTube in a couple days or on some guy's Twitch uh, Twitch stream. So it'll be fun. I'm looking forward to seeing you know some of the younger guys come out and ball. But other than that, like this isn't really we shouldn't overanalyze and really talk about it too much. Just just watch Texas. If the game gets bad, you can find it some. If the OU game gets bad, you can go find it somewhere and. You know, torture yourself with OU struggling with South Dakota, but hey, I'm just saying there's not a good outcome here if you buy this game. Yeah. Either you wasted fifty dollars and missed a lot of the te- uh, what should be a very good Texas LSU game, or you um, got to you you paid fifty dollars and watched a struggle and were miserable all night. Yeah, yeah. So and you can always find it on. On Twitch or something. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. It'll, the the full thing will be uploaded on YouTube just in a couple hours. It'll be like it'll be like the Gary Gibbs days where you can't watch it, you know, <laughs> live. <laughs> Shout out to this day in Sooner history, which for some reason loves Gary Gibbs. Well, before we get started on picks, it was a really big recruiting weekend for OU, and I just wanted to do this thing right, so I called in the expert, Jameson. Take it away with a Cruden corner. Hey all this is Jameson. This is a little guest work coming for the Cruton Corner because this was a huge week at Houston. I could talk all day about the game, but here's a couple of things about the three eyes. Um, first set of eyes just committed right before I started recording this is Anton Harrison. That's a four-star offensive tackle and the, from the East Coast region in the DC area. That's really big because we were planning on getting Jonah Monheim a three-star tackle guard out of California. He was one of our silent commits in our eyes, but he actually ended up committing to USC. So we had spots for offensive linemen. We also brought in another guy this weekend called Aaron Parks. Aaron Parks was also a must-take, and I think he's the second eye. He was a former um, Penn State decommit. Um, He's also from the East Coast, in the Northeast actually as well. And um, he's a good four-star tackle as well. So this offensive line, from what I think, is um, room is pretty much full with those two being those eyes. Now the third set of eyes is more of a controversial. We know it's a defender, but it's kind of on the rocks of who it is. Now Trayvon Ribka is a actual recent Kentucky commit at D-tackle. Um, three star, and he's been getting a lot of crystal balls towards him on two four seven to OU, but there's no confirmation be him because a lot of inside sources are saying it's some he hasn't really said it to anyone, um, and he hasn't really been talking to OU since his visit. So I don't know how the eyeballs would have came when they did. Other speculation, it could be Noah Renze. I've talked about him on past pods. He's a defensive end from Missouri, and he has been in a heavy OU lean since 
the beginning of his recruitment with OU. It's looking like more a matter of time before he commits to us. And if we play the way that we did versus Houston on defense, even though it wasn't perfect, it turned some heads because the way that speed D worked, you can definitely tell it's going to improve throughout the year, and recruits are going to be interested in that, especially in Noah Renze, who's a 6'5", 6'6", just linky athlete ready to fill and ready to get a lot better at football through learning technique. He's very raw, and he's someone that Grinch would really love at the DN position. But all in all, my prob- my guess is probably it's Trayvon Ripka, um, defensive tackle, Kentucky. Um, we really need defensive tackles. Our only other defensive tackle command is Perry and Winfrey, the number one overall player in JUCO now the the rankings just came out. 9-2, composite score on 247 four-star he's looking really really good um in his tape and we should be very excited about that um but other than that we had a couple other guys that came in um to town really liked the visit and uh but i don't know if we're gonna see any more eyes necessarily but we had current commits like ryan watts come in um big cornerback that we're kind of nervous about um, decommitting, especially after the Dante Manning decommitment. Um, but if you guys were at the game, you could really see they focused really hard on the 2021. They put out a lot of link hashtag link up 21 um, stuff in the, on the Jumbotron. And big time targets that were there for just names to throw out that have been thrown out a lot for a while now be... Kendrick Blackshire out of Duncanville, Texas. He's a middle linebacker, and uh, he kind of is a question mark, but we've been recruiting him a lot, and he's been to a lot of visits, so keep an eye on him. Ethan Downs out of Weatherford, defensive end. OU lean ever since he impressed at camp um, over the summer and got an offer. Bryce Foster out of Katy, Texas, offensive lineman. He's an absolute animal. He's one of those guys who can go in in the weight room and lift obscene amounts. It's why his Twitter avi is the mountain from Game of Thrones. Drayden Norwood, um, relative to Trey Norwood, was in uh, cornerback from Arkansas in the twenty twenty one class. Um, and then lastly, um, another name that we've been looking, or I guess two more. Latrell Neville is another wide receiver out of Houston. Um, he took a picture with current twenty twenty one commit Cody Jackson. They seem to be good buds, but he's always back and forth on everything. And then lastly was Ruben Fothery, offensive lineman from Richmond. Um, like I said, Cody Jackson is also from Richmond, Texas, so they have a bond there. But overall, a really stellar recruiting weekend for us especially big time needed after a very low yield, low result champion barbecue. And you can tell Lincoln was really excited about this weekend. So if we're getting 2020 guys from all of these, I think we should be happy because I think 2021 is going to pick up soon. Okay, so let's break down some of the games this weekend. Obviously, there are a couple ones that are more interesting than OU. But not that many. Um, so let's get started with one of the first two poison pill bowls, as I like to call them. <laughs> Texas A&M at number one Clemson. Uh, at the time we got all the lines, the uh, Tigers were favored by 17 and a half. Not a night game in Death Valley, but still Death Valley. What do you, do you, think, the, do you think the Aggies can cover this one? 
No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Clemson. I'm taking Clemson all day. Uh, expect this same pick on the uh, on the weekend spread. Um, yeah, I'm taking Clemson 17 and a half. I think they'll win by 21 probably. Yeah, I, this is a this is a tough line for me because I think why is A and M number 11? <laughs> I, I don't know who convinced a uh, like the world, the general populace that Texas 11 A&M is kind of the joke spot this season. <laughs> Oregon was at 11. A and M's now at 11 again. A and M, another slap in the face to anyone that's ever been the 11th best at anything. It's like that one year number two like lost like eight straight weeks. Yeah, <laughs> shout out 2007, the weirdest year. Um, as much as I hate to say this, I think the Aggies cover just because 17 mm. is a little much. I think somehow A and M just floats around that you know 21, you know 14ish area. They're, they're not really in this game, but they're in the game for us degenerates. Um, and I think A&M just squeaks it out. I could see this being even, uh, you know, they, they they get 17 or something and we just narrowly cover. But give me the Aggies to cover what looks like a pretty big spread. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence snaps. I, I, I think he snaps and goes off. You know, I, I, I kind of that would be that would be interesting after last week. I just I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling this cover with Clemson. So it's a big spread. Yeah, it's a big spread. So give me the Aggies. Next up, we have number six LSU at number ten Texas. LSU is favored by five and a half. Before we get into this, what what do you think about this whole OU Twitter war about rooting for Texas? I there's my my stance on this has been. Hopefully everyone knows my stance on this. It, I want Texas to win every game they play besides OU. That's the best thing for OU. It makes the games more interesting. It gets us more game days. It gets us more publicity. I don't know why you would root against Texas, especially against an SEC team. Why in the world would you want to... Because some idiot has ranked Texas 10. So why in the world would you want to hear people talk shit about the SEC being amazing because they beat a mediocre Texas team that should probably be ranked like 70. They're actually nine if we're now. being honest. They're actually nine now. So this exactly. is Exactly. Wrong... I don't know why in the world you would root against Texas. There's no like there's no logical reason to root against Texas unless they're playing OU. Look, I, I'm like, well, why in the world would you want Texas to lose every game? That, that's ridiculous. That's we look stupid then for they, making them our rival. Exactly. That's just not fun. Um, and I'll say this: I'm not rooting for Texas, uh, but I'm not necessarily I rooting because I'm picking them to cover. Well, I'm well, yeah. I'm also picking Texas. Like, I'm picking them to cover, but I'm also picking them straight up personally. Oh yeah, no, Texas outright. Yeah, no, I think the Horns win this game. I think there's just going to be some energy to it. You know, Ellinger. There's something, you know, we get early season Ellinger where he's still fresh. You know, shoulders haven't turned to mush yet. I think I think Texas wins this one. I, I, the Joe Burrow explosion we saw at the start of this season, as in a week ago, I, I don't know. That's fool's gold to me. I think yeah. I think it's going to be very a very tough environment, sneakily tough because of Austin, you know, being a little lazy. But sometimes they always get up for these. They always get up for the USC's and the Notre Dame's. And I think this is going to be a wild atmosphere, and the Longhorns are going to be ready. They get a win outright. But my stance on this whole Texas rivalry thing, I'm not rooting for them unless I have money on them or it benefits OU. Otherwise, 
they either win and it makes us look better for winning Red River, or they lose and it's really funny. So yeah, and they're like really, who cares? Yeah, I, I don't. <laughs> but I don't know why you would want them to lose every. Well, game. Ty, that doesn't make Ty, sense. you have to have a vested interest in every single college football game because that's just the nature of everything. You you have to choose one or the other. You can't yeah. just be neutral on something. So I don't know. <laughs> either way. Texas is a pick for both of us. Yeah, the only thing that worries me about Texas, just so we can continue to blow through, they did, for some reason, I don't know how in the world they got this idea, but Texas has started wearing DBU shirts. Have you seen that? Yes, I have. Um, that doesn't make it. I, don't, I definitely would not do that playing LSU, but that's just bad juju, but... <laughs> Texas, they're still going to win. Texas just puts up a lot of DB uh, d- defensive backs. They're not pro bowlers, but they get a couple NFL starts. So it's a quantity versus quality sort of thing. So um, that's my stance on the whole DBU I thing. Yeah. I, I don't know, but they, but in terms of DBU, it's either Florida or LSU or Ohio State. It's one of those three. Um, anyways, moving on to way worse uh, football games. UTEP at Texas Tech. The Red Raiders are favored by thirty-four and a half. Um, that's a that's a big line. It's a it's a boost from from the uh, Montana State line they had last week. Uh, but UTEP is UTEP. That's awful. I don't know. I don't know if I. I'm pretty conflicted on this one. This is a tough line. I'm gonna go Red Raiders by an even thirty-five. I think I think they just narrowly get the cover, but it's going to be annoying. UTEP is one of the worst Power Five teams. And Alan Bowman's pretty good, so give me, give me, give me Texas Tech. I'm gonna regret that one though. They're gonna somehow mess this one up. I'm gonna say Tech. Don't count on my pick on the weekend spread to be the same though. Let, let me just also put a disclaimer here. Don't bet on any of these. Just general. Wait on the weekend spread, please. Please, just if it's if it's a crappy game like this, run away. Do not touch it. It, ugh, it's gross. Anyways, moving on to another game, Coastal Carolina at Kansas. Uh, KU favored by 9.5. When we got this line, they've kind of shrunk to 7, but we're going to stick with the 9.5 because you know we always set our lines on Monday. Um, you're, you're Jayhawks. Uh, you already know. You already know. <laughs> second win of the season, the second of four or more. Kansas wins it. Kansas covers. Kansas, Easy. Here, I'll, I'll just do this one. Kansas wins. Nine and a half is too big. They don't cover. I think they win by like seven. Uh, Coastal Carolina, like uh, if if the, if this hurricane wasn't coming their way, I could see them possibly pulling it off. But they've been displaced, and it, honestly, it's not big enough to have an emotional rally. So give me Kansas to win, but not cover. I might get bit on this one. I'm not sure. Uh, moving on to the other side of the border war, uh, West Virginia at Missouri. The Tigers are favored by fourteen. Um, Spread's kind of trended a little, little down, little towards West Virginia. Not much. So, um, do you think both had a terrible weeks last year? Last week, I'm going West Virginia to cover. I have no idea who's going to win, but I don't believe in Mizzou and I don't believe in West Virginia. But I'll go with West Virginia to cover. I also they didn't let me down last week, so I also don't believe in either. But I, I don't know. Give me, give me Missouri. I don't like this at all. Uh, <laughs> this line sucks. Give me Missouri, barely. Uh, give me Missouri to push, probably. Honestly. So uh, we'll see. Moving on, we'll see, yeah. and we'll we'll see on the weekend spread when we put a little more effort. For sure. Moving on. Bowling Green at Kansas State. 
Uh, K-State's favored by 23. Um, same line they had last week. Kansas State looked very good, actually. Skylar Thompson pretty high up there in QBR. Uh, do you think they actually kind of surprise us again against a pretty mediocre MAC team? Yeah, uh, again, it's, uh, I may change, but I'm going to go with K-State right now. But uh, no promises that that's going to be the same on the weekend spread. But I'm feeling good about K-State Yeah, right now. I know I'm sounding like a Tennessee fan for always talking about the past, but last year... Uh, last year, Jameson employed a strategy where he constantly picked against K-State, and it didn't work. So I'm going to go opposite of that. Give me Kansas State to cover against Bowling Green. <laughs> this strategy is not going to last. I, no, no, no. I'm not, I'm not going to— Always picking K-State? No, no, no. He, he picked against them, so now I'm switching. So now I'm... That's what I'm saying. You're going to pick K-State in every game. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm going to flip back and forth, and eventually I'll flip through the right week. Instead of with Jamison, who just constantly picked against K State, Martin, I, I, I'm just saying the Martin Gale, the Marvin Gaye roulette strategy did not work. So, give me, give me K State on this one. I don't think Bowling Green's that great. Skylar Thompson looks improved. Um, yeah. So moving on, UTSA at Baylor. Baylor, Baylor is favored by 27 and a half. Um, I was impressed with the Bears last week. They had, they took care yeah. of business. That's ridiculous. Baylor's not that good. No. UTSA covers. Uh, 28.5 is a lot, but give me the Bears on this one. So I, I think I just think they're, they're, they're not as good as people have let on, but I think they're good enough to cover this one. Give me Baylor. Uh, moving on, South Dakota at number 4 OU, the game everyone's looking for. Miraculously, OU is only favored by 36.5. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Mm. Uh, never lets me down. <laughs> never never pick OU to cover a giant spread. I 36 and a half is too much. I Yeah, obviously that was on Monday, uh, probably before anyone was really even thinking about really putting any money on this game minus people that would have put money on it long ago. Yeah, I'll have more detailed explanation in the weekend spread, but if we're going with this line for the weekend spread as well, I just don't see us... I see us being able to easily do that, but I don't see us staying on the gas past 28. I really don't. Yeah, I get that. I really I really think that we're going to jump up by four scores and then just coast. I mean, we did it up by three scores against Houston who still has a very good quarterback and a very good coach. I, I do not see why we would get up by 21 or 28 against South Dakota and stay on the gas. That just does not make sense for us whatsoever because we're risking those those players and, and stuff. So, I mean, I still expect us to run like an inside handoff with the fullback and get like 80 yards for a touchdown because South Dakota's garbage, but... No, OU, Lincoln Riley is not going to stay on the gas like that. No. I think we could. I think if we went all out, threw all our tricks out and stuff, I think we could beat South Dakota 77-0. to But we're just not We're not going to do that. No. That doesn't make any sense. No, I, I get that, but I think we're just better, and I think we actually, a little hot take here, I think we see at least one defensive touchdown. Uh, OU rolls big, 56-3, to if that. 
I think I think that I think the backups will do good. I think we'll see Spencer Rattler. I think they I think they will too. Um, I'd like to see some Connor McGinnis reps, but you know what do I know? Um, but <laughs> yeah. So I just don't I don't see us staying on the gas. I I don't I see us continuing to score throughout the game even with you know random people in. But true. I I just I I could see Spencer Rattler who if you watch QB one you know who, how Spencer Rattler is. I could just see him completely ignoring all. Uh, all advice from Lincoln and just calling, you know, four verts every play and just like, yeah, yeah. just, just <laughs> could constantly audibling to four verts and wanting to really whoop this team. Um, I don't know. I just have a feeling that this is going to be a very big win and 36 just isn't going to be enough to cut it. I think the defense is going to want to make a big statement and really, like, I'm talking maybe a field goal. So give me OU 56 to 3. I'm calling the score right now. OU minus 36 and a half. I'd, I'd love to see it. And really, that's part of my always, not always, but really, that's part of my pick against OU and the spread strategy is if we blow them out and get a shutout, like, that's awesome. Um, I would have loved to see a shutout or seen a shutout last week. It's it's not as impressive, and it seems kind of like a dick move when we shut out South Dakota. Uh, but how we shut out Houston, that would have been cool and appropriate. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's possible. I just don't... I don't know. I may have a different take in the weekend spread, but... Yeah. Anyways. Well, I think that's all we have for picks, so... Um, yep. We did a little, I, I might have mentioned this earlier in the pod, we did a little bit of a mailbag, kind of restructured it a bit where we implemented a lot of those mail pieces into the pod, but for now I'm just going to, I'm going to go in, answer a couple of your questions here, so uh, Ty, before, yeah. I'm, I'm going to let you go here so I can yeah, sit down. Yeah, I got to log off, sorry, school is, is calling. Ty's got to go play school, so I, I'm going to sit down with he, you here listeners and I'll answer your questions, so... Yeah, thank you. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for having me, and I'll see you all next week. Okay, listeners, it's just me and you now. Let's get down to some mailbag questions that we didn't cover on the show. I'd like to thank everyone for asking all the questions. Uh, I'm just going to shout out to people who kind of mentioned some stuff that we already talked about. Um, Shout out to Darielle. Of course, she'd be the first one I'd shout out uh, for talking about the defense. Yeah, I do think that they'll be able to maintain what we had in the first half. Um, and shout out to Samantha Foley and Riley Brown for their comments on Jalen Hurts and the defense. Um, bonus question from Samantha. How far is OU going this year? I kind of think it's a playoff berth with how the schedule sets up. Um, it's very light. They can get past Texas and probably get past them again. You know, I, I think they're going to end up in the college football playoff. The, this season, more than any other, uh, I feel like is most tailored for an undefeated year for OU, um, mainly just due to that mentality of J, uh, Jalen Hurts. So uh, give, me the, give me the Sooners at least in the playoffs. We'll see if this defense can improve to a level where it can take on an Alabama or Georgia. I think definitely a Georgia, but Alabama or Clemson will be, will be tough. So thank you so much for answering that, uh, Samantha and Riley. Hope all is well with y'all. Um, next up, thanks to Max, we covered the LSU-UT thing. Hope you're doing good. Hope to see you in L.A. next week. Um, Zach Rosen, thanks for the uh, question. Will Jalen win the big one? Will we make it to the CFP? Yeah, I think we'll make it to the CFP. 
Jalen winning the big one, I, I think he has the chops to do it. Uh, I think he's improved as a quarterback since, you know, since his kind of early days. Um, so, yeah, no, I think I think if we if we make it to the college football playoff and the national championship, I, I think we'll be more than prepared for that, especially on the um, quarterback side of things. Uh, Tree, good to see you, man. Um, not going to answer the first question. <laughs> uh, what the defense did right, what it did wrong. Um, I think it did the aggression perfectly right, as we mentioned a bit. Uh, what it did wrong, uh, just didn't do it enough. Kind of laid off the gas a bit, which, you know, I, I, I get, you know, you're up, but hey, that's all good. Uh, thank you for the question. Moving on, got Marty, wants to know who's going to win the football. Uh, it's not going to be South Dakota. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you that. I'll tell you that for an absolute fact. Uh, next, Drake asks, is Texas back? We're certainly going to learn a lot more about that. Um Coming up this Saturday, I, I honestly think that Texas, it's they're going to need another 10-win season, another year where they're in the championship for them to really be back. They have to be competing with OU uh, to be back. And, they're, and I don't even think Texas, the, the level of Texas being back isn't necessarily like as high as people are thinking. Uh, it, it's, it's competing for Big 12 championships. OU – if we weren't back, we weren't. Win- we're not winning Big Twelve. OU has to be winning Big Twelve championships to be back. We have to be competing in the national championship. Texas just needs to be competing. We need to be winning them. So, I think Texas is close to that. Um, next up, Jonathan Staley. Thanks for your question, but I'm not answering that. Uh, <laughs> all right. So, moving on through these real quick. Taylor Keys asks: uh, Over under two percent UVA makes it to the college football playoff. Um, I'm going to go under, but it's not as low as you think. I think they have a chance of winning the, the uh, non-Clemson division in the ACC, as I call it. Um, but they're not going to make the playoff. No, uh, that, that's, uh, Sorry, Wahoos can't be good at college football, but can keep being pretty solid at basketball. Uh, moving on, we got some other questions in other kind of small places here and there. Um, Shout out to my guy Gavin who wants to know the up- updated Big 12 standings and win totals. Don't know if I can pull all of those out, but I'll tell you this. Look, that Iowa State prediction of mine having them too, it's it's flawed. I'm just gonna I'm gonna jump ship on that take right now and say they're they're not beating they're they're not they're not gonna be number two. I still think they could beat Texas, but without Hakeem Butker, Butler, I can't remember. Uh, and without David Montgomery, they just don't have enough offensive pi- firepower. Very rough first game against Northern Iowa. You just you hate to see that. Um, so bump that. They're they're not even honestly. They're they're not going to be in the top three. Um, uh, so I'm going to go with my. T- it, it, let me just update the standings. Are you still number one? I think Texas is two. Number three. I, I I know this is an early – and this is actually an answer to another question from uh, David in uh, College Station. Thanks for – thank you so much for asking that. Much appreciated. Um, my number three, Oklahoma State. Uh, the biggest reason why I wasn't higher on them was because of their quarterback. But I really liked what Spencer Sanders did. I liked his poise. Uh, guy looked incredible. Uh, 
that dual threat kind of action. You haven't really seen that in a long time from OSU. So it was really cool to see that. Uh, the, the weapons are as good as they've ever been. Truba Hubbard looked just as good as I thought he would. Tylen Wallace, incredible. Oklahoma State is going to be a threat in this Big 12. Uh, we kind of talked a bit more about the standings. If you kind of looked at it before, we had TCU, OSU, and um, Baylor in a logjam. I think OSU is number one, clearly, of that. So the net logjam now is Iowa State, TCU, and Baylor. Um, I need to see more out of TCU. I don't, I, I, they beat Arkansas Pine Bluff. Who cares? So if they can go to Purdue, get a very solid win, I'll, I'll, I could put them over Iowa State. Uh, but, you know, you know I, I think the Cyclones, their best work is yet to be done, but they're definitely not number two. And we can completely, completely bump them from the timeline. They're, they're just, they're not going to be a contender in the Big 12. I'm going to go all the way through and write them off early, except for the fact that if they do come back and do good, I'll just go back and remove this recording so you can't receipt me on that. So, Gavin, thanks for the question. And uh, David, thank you so much for asking that as well. Um, yeah, so Oklahoma State, third best team now. Definitely, I, th- I think they can compete for a, a two-seed in the conference. Obviously, having that Texas game in Austin is going to hurt them. But, uh, yeah, they haven't <laughs> – well, let's be real. They haven't uh, beaten – Texas hasn't beaten Oklahoma State since the Obama era. It's been an issue. So an OSU upset in Austin, I wouldn't look past that being a thing. So, yeah, o- Oklahoma State, third team. So. Well, that's that for this episode of The Schooner Pod. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this, make sure to follow it on wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Anchor, of course, and really just anywhere you get your podcast, just hit us up with a follow, like us on iTunes, five stars, we would love a review, we are five star men, very much would appreciate that, and make sure to follow us on social media, uh, at, uh, at the Schooner Blog on Twitter, uh, we're on Facebook, uh, Insta Schooner, we're doing a really cool series called This Day in Sooner History, very fun stuff. I think you'd like it as well as some other content. So make sure to hit that to make sure you uh, don't miss any of our content. So anyways, without further ado, hope you guys have a really good weekend and uh, boomer sooner. Oh, and I forgot we got one more ad read. Thank God we have another podcast sponsor. So uh, without it, without with that being said, um, AT&T, thank you. just okay get a better than just okay unlimited plan with spotify premium included on america's best network only from at&t more for your thing that's our thing